Today I want to uh, just start into a thought that I feel like the Lord laid on my heart for Vertical Church and, and especially in this particular season that, that we are in. Uh, I may be able to fully develop it and get through uh, this morning, but if not, we will pick up here next week and uh, go, go forward from there. But I want you to turn first with me to the book of Acts, and we are going to read a familiar passage of Scripture beginning with uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. This is uh, where the book of Acts begins. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in all Samaria, and, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. These are, these are familiar verses for you and I, and that's uh, probably due to the fact that we are apostolic Pentecostals, and uh, we are not afraid to go to the Scriptures and proclaim that we have experienced what the writer said that we could have. Amen. Some people shy away from these verses and they go other directions in their text because they have yet to experience the things that the Scripture declares are available. But today I wanted to go here and just uh, read a few things in your hearing and no doubt I will uh, address one or two things that maybe you haven't considered before. I thought about it as service was going on that I would read you a quick bio of someone that you may or may not know. If I were to say the name Paul Harvey, how many people know who I'm talking about? Okay, there's some, there's some folks with age on them, amen, and then there are a few that do not exactly know who I'm talking about. Paul Harvey was born on September the 4th, 1918. He was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, he died February 28, 2009. He was 
aged 90 when he passed away, lived a long, uh, full, and prosperous life. He was most well known for a radio broadcast that he hosted for many, many decades called The Rest of the Story. Everybody say, The Rest of the Story. It was uh, aired on the ABC radio networks throughout the U.S. and, and other places. And here is a, a quick bio of Paul Harvey. He was an American radio broadcaster for the ABC radio networks. He broadcast news and comment on weekday mornings and middays and at noon on Saturdays, as well as his famous The Rest of the Story segments. From the 1950s through the 1990s, Harvey's programs reached as many as 24 million people a week. 24 million people a week. Paul Harvey News was carried on 1,200 radio stations and 400 armed force network stations and 300 newspapers. I would say that there were a lot of folks that heard uh, Harvey's news broadcast and heard his stories that always seemed to amuse me. One of the things that uh, listening to his radio broadcast way back when that I can remember is when he would go from page to page. How many remember him always saying, page two? And then it would go to a, go to a break and uh, he would come back with some interesting uh, rest of the story segment. I want to talk to you today about the two parts of the story. And uh, I'll, I'll call this today, there are two parts to the story. Now, giving thought to this and study over the happenings of the resurrection, and I talked to you a little bit about that last Sunday, that I, I feel like really reading through the story again the last few weeks that I probably could take a year and preach every Sunday on some type or at least some facet of the resurrection and the story that is uh, connected there. After more than 30 years of preaching Easter Sunday messages, I'm sure that uh, there are things there that I have yet even to discover. But going back through the story, there's a, there's a specific phrase and something that uh, in detail connects with me as I go through this once again. There's much about Jesus' life that, that you and I are not aware of. Sometimes we think because we've read the story a number of times that, that we're uh, well acquainted with everything about His life. But John 21 verse 25 says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. John finishes his gospel by saying, if you exhausted every page on every book, in the entire world, specifically detailing and outlining the things that Jesus did in His short life, you would not have enough room to tell it all. 
So at the moment that we think we know everything there is to know about Him or we have seen every angle that there is in His life, I would say we should take back and uh, step back and take another look at this. But we have four writers. Everybody say writers. Four writers who share in great detail the major events of his life and ministry. And I would say none of them should be overlooked. Not one thing about his life in the four short gospel books should we overlook and uh, move quickly past. I want to focus, if I can, just on the writings of Luke for a little while. And something that that Luke said in uh, particular. He, he spent much of his time, much of his time, talking about the actions and the teachings of Jesus. Luke went through in his, in his very detailed way talking about specific things that Jesus did. Now you have to understand that Luke was a physician and um, he was writing this through the testimonies and through the, the sharings of other people and he uh, living at a distance. He was not one of those uh, chosen, if you will. But somehow his writings get, get in there and, and we look at it as, as truth and we hold on to these things. But what Luke, Luke said was just a beginning to it all, okay? In his gospel, the gospel of Luke, it was just the beginning. It was the first part of the story. It, it was just the beginning of Jesus' story. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. Luke stated it in Acts, and, and we read it a little while ago. The very first verse of the first chapter, he said, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. He said the first uh, writing which he was referencing his gospel, the gospel of Luke, he said in that writing all I did was share with you the beginning. I, I just told you the first part of the story. And what made that first uh, part of the story so great was it was what Jesus did. It was what Jesus began to teach. And, and those things were amazing. Everybody say, He did amazing things. He did amazing things. He turned water into wine. Amen. He healed the sick. He calmed the storm. He fed the hungry. He raised the dead. And, and it goes on and on and on again. But I want you to see that this was just the beginning. It was just the beginning of what He did. Water to wine, healing the sick, calming the storm, feeding the hungry, raising the dead. These are the things that people love. These are the things that cause people to follow Him. These are the things that caused people to show up no matter where he went. There was always a crowd. There was always a group. There was always people, individuals clamoring over the fact that Jesus had just done something amazing again. 
They were willing to follow Him wherever He went because He was always doing things. And they loved it then, and I would say people love it now. Uh, I'm here in large fact because of the things that Jesus has done in my life. Amen. How Jesus put things together in my life. How He answered prayers on my behalf. How He came through when nobody else could come through. People loved it then and people love it now. The things that Jesus did. In fact, it's what attracts us. And, And in many ways... It's what keeps people hanging around. Just, just the, the mere fact that it could be this Sunday that whatever your prayer is would be answered. That whatever your need is would be met. That, that whatever your situation is, He could handle it. Amen. So we come back again. We show up again. We, we, we go through the things that we need to go through because we have this confidence and faith in Him that at any moment, at any time, He could literally revolutionize everything about my life. He's a prayer answering God and I'm thankful for the things that He has done. Amen. The things that He has done. But Luke said that Jesus did not just do things, but He also taught things. The things, he said, I wrote about it in my first address to you. And some say that uh, Theophilus was maybe an influential follower of Jesus. That it could have been uh, the individual that maybe was instrumental in uh, the production and in also the promoting of the gospel in some financial way. And so Luke is, is writing that, 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 that the, the writing of the book of Acts was probably somewhere after A.D. 62, 63. That, that, that this, was, this was decades after, after the death of Jesus Christ. And uh, the gospel and the story of Jesus as we have known was just being shared by word of mouth and this physician decided that he wanted to write particular things that that happened and so he addressed it to an individual that happened to be an important part in getting this propagated and getting this message out so Christianity could have a a place in the world as something that was right and something that was acceptable and something that was not to be feared. And so so Luke is saying to this individual, the first uh, letter or the first writing that I put out was about what Jesus did but not only what He did, but also what He began to teach. Alright? A lot of times we we miss that part of the story. And this is where the line, the, the proverbial line is drawn in the sand for many people. We like what He does, but we don't always like what He says. We like what He does. We like the benefits that come along with being connected to Him. But we're not always sure we like what He's teaching. We're not always sure that we're willing to accept and practice what He taught. 
I like the water and the wine and I like the healing of my ailments and, and, I, and I like those answers to my prayers but I'm not really sure when he draws the line in the sand and says, this is my expectation, I'm not sure if I want to cross over. I like, I like the first part of the story but I'm not sure if I like the second part of the story. But there's two sides to his story. And and just accepting one side, loving one side, believing one side is not enough to please him if you truly want to be his disciple. Amen. It's getting quiet in here right now. Amen. And so, the teachings of Jesus. This is where the line is drawn in the sand. This is, this is the miracles versus the commandment kind of stuff. The, 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 the awesome displays versus the principles. The excitement, the fast answered prayer to the rubber meets the road sacrifice Commitment. It's, it's that. It's, it's one side of the story compared to the other side of the story. It's, it's what Luke said, I'm going to tell you, and I wrote about it in the first of my first letter, that, that this, th- these are the things that he began to do. He didn't complete it all. He didn't finalize it all. He didn't end it all. He began. It's it's the beginning of the story. In John 6, verse number 66 through 69, it says this, From that time, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered Him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now this was on the heels of an incredible miracle, the feeding of of, of many people. And there was a large number of folks that were there because of the miracles. They were there because of the great things that were happening and, and, and the mind-blowing events that always transpired somehow around the life of Jesus. And then He turns the table and He begins to talk to them about there coming a day where they would indeed have to take of His flesh and blood. That they would be partakers of His very body and life. And people looked at this and and took offense, really, that Jesus was uh, leading them into some type of gruesome happening and some type of, this has got to be cannibalism. And if you were there in the crowd, doesn't it sound and feel a whole lot better when He's feeding you rather than saying there's coming a day that you're going to have to partake? 
Now, we know what he was talking about. He was talking about his death. We, were, we, we, were, we know what he was talking about, his body being broken and his blood being spilled, and they were going to have to share in that. And it, and it develops into a lot of other things. But they, multitudes, the Bible said, not just distant, strange people, but the Scripture said that disciples, people that had been there for a while, People that had seen the miracles and were, were enamored by all of this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus turned to, turns to the twelve and he asked them the question, Are you leaving also? Are you going too? And Peter said to him, Where, where are we going to go? Where, where am I supposed to go, Lord? You're the one that has all the miracles in your hands. Is that, is that what he said? You're the one that makes me feel good every day. You're the one that's always answering my prayer and always doing these phenomenal things. And You're the one that's always on display with all this wonderful, miraculous work. Is that what Peter said? What did he say? He said, you're the one that has the Word. So, so this, is a, this is a telling place in the Scripture that there were some who followed Him just because of the miracles. And there were others that said, I realize there's something more to this. And it's not just about the things you do. But what matters most to me and the reason I stay is because of what you say. Because of what you teach. See, this is, this is, uh, this is, a, is, a, is a crossroad where many people come to, and I think all of us have to come to in our walk with God, especially when you're dealing with truth. That you can connect with the church and be a part of the church and enjoying talking about Jesus as long as things are being done for you in your life. And, and, and that's wonderful and that's great and we'll keep celebrating those things. But you will come to a crossroads at some point where you have to decide, am I here for the fish and the loaves or am I here because of the words of eternal life? See, if I, if, 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 if I were to consider doing anything else, I could never go to a place that only promotes the things that He does but ignores, overlooks, and downplays what he said. Because what he says and what he teaches is more important than what he did. Okay, The first part of the story is the things he did. The second part of the story is the things he said. And that what he said means more than what he did. Okay? Let's go on a little bit here. He said, will you go away? And Peter said, well, you have the words, Lord, that, that I value the most. I can't go anywhere because your words have eternity attached to them. Your words are not just temporal, passing Words that mean nothing. Your words have the weight of eternity attached to them. And, and I can't go anywhere else because of how important this is. In a previous verse, in fact just a few verses 
earlier, he revealed this truth in, in a very clear fashion. Verse number 63, Jesus said this, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Somehow, Peter, this rough fisherman, picked up on that. Jesus just said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. He didn't say the things that I do, they are spirit and they are life. If you're going to have spirit and you're going to enjoy life, it's not going to happen because of the things that he does. It'll happen because of the words that he said and what comes into your life and how you embrace those things. He said, my words are spirit. My words are life. And that's why Peter could turn right around a few verses later and say, I'm not going anywhere. You have the words of eternal life. I pray that you and I don't get caught up on just the, the flamboyance of it all. I pray that you and I don't get caught up on just the over-the-top big type of events and breakthroughs that happen in our life. But when all of those things kind of settle down, that we would remember, that we would remember, that we would remember that His Word, hallelujah, heaven and earth may pass away, but His Word will remain. I mean, you think about the story of the prophet in the Old Testament who has this showdown with, with several hundred false prophets. And um, he's, he's on a high of, of God answering by fire and hundreds of false prophets being slain. And then he finds himself, he finds himself just a, a day or two later at a very low place because someone launches an attack against him. In fact, the king's wife, the queen, said, you're going to die for what you've done. And so he goes on the run. He has this huge supernatural fire falling out of heaven event. Okay? And a day or two later, he's saying, kill me, God. Just kill me. Let me die. Let me die. Kill me. I'm no better than my father." And so in the, in the event, he, he's awakened a couple of times and, and he's given food to eat and water to drink from heaven and he goes in the strength of that, those meals all the way across a wilderness and he gets to the other side and realizes after the earth stops shaking and the wind stops blowing and the huge demonstration comes to an end, what did he hear, Matt? A still, small voice. The words that I speak. The words that I speak. The things that I say. Sometimes we have these mountaintop fire falling out of heaven experiences and then we hit a low and wonder how am I going to make it? You're going to make it because He has a voice that will continue to speak in your life when everything comes against you and all the big demonstration ends. His word will keep you. His word will sustain you. You, amen. So the first part of the story is his wondrous works and, and that'll get our attention and it'll draw us in and it thrills us. But the second part of the, of the story is all about hearing and obeying his word. See, at some point, God brings us all to that place of will you hear me and will you obey me? 
He said, my sheep know my voice. Okay, listen. He didn't say, my sheep know my presence. My sheep know my demonstration. My sheep know my over-the-top experience. He said, my sheep know my voice. And another they will not follow. Amazing stuff. So, the second part of it is about hearing and obeying. The resurrection was mind-blowing, but the follow-up command was life-changing and eternity-altering. I want to go through this, if I can, for a few moments and just share with you some of the last words of Jesus. Matthew 28, 18, He said, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So, so the first part was him about doing. The second part was about us obeying. Go teach. Go baptize. Go command. Go instruct, go encourage them to observe all things that I have commanded you. He said, go tell them everything I told you. Don't go tell them everything I did because everything I did is where I began the story. It's up to you to finish the story with telling them what I said. Because what I said will make a difference in their life when what I did will only get their attention. Anybody hearing me today? This this goes deeper. Mark 16, 15. It says, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if, in, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, He was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now, let me read this portion. Luke 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words. Do you guys see it coming up over and over and over and over that he's just not talking at the end here about the things he did. He's talking about the things he said. 
He's talking about the instructions that he had given them. And he wanted them to carry this forward. And so these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled that were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture and said unto them, Thus it is written and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem and ye are witnesses of these things and behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high and he led them out as far as to Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them and it came to pass while he blessed them he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, isn't it interesting, at least for the most part, how signs preceded Jesus, but they follow believers. Jesus did miraculous things and then he taught them. But he said, you go preach, you go teach, you go explain, you go share and signs will then follow you and confirm what you said. See, let's not, let's, not, let's not get this mixed up. Jesus said, if people will not believe the law that Moses wrote or the warnings of the prophets that they heralded, that they would not believe just because a dead man rises again. Luke 16, 31. Jesus said this, And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. See, the first part of the story is he was getting their attention. The second part of the story is you and I carried out what he got their attention for. He got their attention so he could share with them the words of eternal life so they could be changed. The responsibility here is I'm not miraculous. You're not miraculous. I can't heal, I can't deliver, I can't fix, I can't change things. He can. But what I can do is testify. What I can do is witness. What I can do is share what happened to me. And as I share what happened in my life and the word that He gave me, then the miracle worker steps in and confirms in their life what I just said. That if you will cast your cares on Him, He'll take care of you because He cares for you. This is an amazing thing to me. Let's go back to our text for a moment. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which, follow this, he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen 
to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. So he did the first part of the story. He did his part. And then he commanded his disciples to carry out the second part of the story. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait because you have a great responsibility and you cannot fulfill the responsibility without power. And so go, go and tarry, go and wait until you are endued with power from on high. When you have the power from on high, then the Bible tells us what will happen after that. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be demonstrators, miracle workers, teachers. Shall be preachers shall be people who step up and say, let me tell you what happened. You shall be witnesses, witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So the first part of the story, and we covered it a week or so ago, was wonderful, and we're thankful for what he did. And and we wouldn't be here had it not been for Calvary and the sacrifice that was made and all of the things that Jesus did. But once you get past the first part of the story, the entire second part of the story falls on the shoulders of witnesses. It falls on the shoulders of the church. We celebrate what He did, but I ask you, will we be able to celebrate what you do? He did his part, and now he's waiting on you and I to do our part. Amen. After he, after this, the Bible said, he gave commandments to wait for power and then become the witness. Amen. And so, so I ask you today, will you live on this side of the resurrection, or will you live on the other side? of the resurrection. And this is, this is how you will be able to tell which side of the resurrection you're living on. If you're living every day thinking about what He can do for you, how He can come through for you, how He can work things out for you, how He can turn your situation around, how He can heal you, feed you, bless you, lift you, encourage you, come through for you, and your whole Christian experience is about that, then you're living on the other side of the resurrection. You're living on what He did side of the resurrection. How you'll know if you're living on this side of the resurrection is if you're living every day to touch someone else and share with someone else and teach someone else and give to them what He gave to you whether He does or does not answer your prayer one more time. Whether He heals, blesses, loads your bank account up, comes through for you, moves on your behalf or not. Because if it's all about the demonstration, then 
it's already proven in Scripture that many people will walk away if the demonstration stops. When the commitment, the line is drawn, people say, well, I like this side of the resurrection. I like the dead being raised. And I like the, the, the little boy's lunch feeding thousands. And, and I like the water walking stuff. And, and I like all of that. But over here requires commitment. Over here requires discipleship. Over here requires, if he doesn't do any of that, I'm not going anywhere else because this is where truth is. This is where life is. This is where my eternity is attached to. And I'm not just going to live on the ups and downs of things happening or not happening. I'm going to live for him over here because I know the principles and the truths and the words and the teachings of God. His disciples chose this side. Everybody say this side. So we have Luke's second writing, what is formally known as the Acts of the Apostles. What's your life going to look like? What's my life look like? Am I a person living on the other side of the resurrection? Just wanting Him to always show up, always come through, always bless, always help, always encourage? Or am I going to live on this side where every one of them literally gave their For his truth. He didn't say, you're going to be judged by the things that I did for you in your life. You're going to be judged by the times I answered and came through and showed up. He said, you will be judged by my word. The word that I speak. Let's stand together. There are two sides to this story. And I'm glad we celebrated and we rejoiced and we took time last week to the resurrection, the resurrection. He's alive, He's alive, He's alive. But we're seven days later and I ask you, will you live out the second part of the story? Because Luke said, I wrote about the things He began to do and teach. And Luke said some of his last words were commanding us to go and teach. Listen, I don't want you to think that there's an absence of demonstration. There's not. The only difference is the demonstration comes on the heels of your commitment and not on the beginning of your commitment. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. You can still walk in the miraculous. But you'll walk in it after you have given truth and committed to truth and shared truth and embraced the principles and held on to the words of eternal life. You don't have to ask Him to show up and be a miracle worker. It just happens when you're living every day in the second part of the story. Anybody want to step out from where you're standing?